Good morning. Come on, this isn't the 8 o'clock service. Good morning. All right, that's a little bit better. Boy, somebody's been up to no good. Uh, this looks like a sad excuse for Pink Flamingo, but uh, anyway, thank you for someone thinking of me, maybe. But uh, anyway, I can't believe that it's really the start of Christmas. Um, how many of you have your tree up? How many of you have had your tree up since before Thanksgiving? Okay, a couple. How many 4th of July? No, all right, just checking, just checking. Um, how many of you have been listening to Christmas carols? All right, before Thanksgiving? Right after uh, Trunk or Treat? Okay, uh, Labor Day? Okay, good. Uh, some of you may have been listening to them all year round. You haven't stopped, but uh, Christmas is happening. Can't believe it. We are 26 days away and 32 days away from the new year. And uh, we're all starting to think about it. And uh, we're starting a new series, uh, Simply Christmas. And the idea behind it is some of us, and there's nothing wrong with this, some of us have been emphasizing Christmas and the festivities of it to try to take some of the heaviness off our thinking because this year has been so crazy. But, uh, you know, those things are all nice and a part of Christmas, but Christmas is so much more than all the festivities. So we're going to be trying to boil down and look at simply Christmas, uh, what that is all about. Uh, so we're glad you're here. We're glad for those um, visiting us or checking us out online. Special shout out to Jim and Lori. I know they usually are listening to us sometimes online and sometimes on Monday. Jim will tell me Monday sometimes is his church day, so that's great. Um, also, a special shout out to Joyce. Uh, next year, she's going to be 90, so it makes sense for her to kind of be in isolation during these uncertain times. So, Joyce, it's great that you can join in with us. So, And just a little bit update. Last week, we were on pause because uh, we had some folks that uh, came on the previous Sunday, and they were tested positive. They found out about that after the service, so they wouldn't have been here. And uh, just an update on them. Uh, one of them's already gone back to work, and they work at a nursing home, so they've passed all the whatever they need to pass. Uh, the other one's waiting, and uh, she'll probably be back to work soon. Uh, the other one starts uh, work tomorrow. And uh, the fourth, I'm not really sure what they're doing, but they're all feeling good. So sometimes we don't hear positive stories about people being positive to uh, COVID and getting on the other side. And so this is for people that are, are very healthy and uh, doing that. So we're, so we're very, very, very thankful for that. So as uh, we continue on to gear up and think about Christmas and to think about it uh, simply, uh, today's uh, message is really a baseline message. It may not feel very Christmassy to you but it's baseline, it's foundational as uh, we begin to think about Christmas and uh, what it means uh, for me, or for us. Yeah, for me, for us, yeah. This is just what it means for me, but uh, anyway, no, uh, what Christmas means for us, so as we talk about Simply Christmas. Well, it was a number of years ago, a number of years ago, and a friend of mine uh, had, a, had a sailboat, and this sailboat was uh, 12 feet long, you may have heard me talk about this sailboat in sailing terms. That includes that little pointy thing on the, top, on the front. So it's really not 12 feet in my mind. There's like five feet of 
pole that sticks out, but they count everything to make the boat seem bigger than it really is. So 12 feet sailboat with the little thing sticking out the front, not a very big boat to go on the ocean. So we were going to go out and we were going to stay at this island, Jewel Island, uh, which was the last island before Europe. So we were going out and uh, it wasn't one of the best weather days. So uh, the guy taking us out was uh, Nate. And uh, he looked like the fisherman on the Gordon commercials, all decked out in yellow, even one of those weird hats, the beard and everything. And so he got us in his boat and uh, myself and Scott had no idea about boats, no idea about sailing. We were just along for the ride. So we started on our way and I uh, got a little choppy, a little rough. And so he said, uh, you know, in very seamanish terms, he said, you know, I don't think it's very prudent that we go out to the open sea. We ought to go behind these other islands and make our way to Jewel Island. And uh, that kind of bothered us a little bit, but uh, Nate felt safe and confident that we could make it out to the island. And uh, as time went on, though, even going behind the islands was a little rough. And uh, you know, the water would bank left and right, and it seemed like the water was going to come over the sides. And uh, then finally, uh, Captain Nate, uh, Captain Ahab, let's call him, uh, said, uh, you know, why don't you two get in the cabin? Like, what are you talking about? Why don't you get in the cabin? It's a little rough out here. You get in the cabin. And, and the cabin really wasn't really a cabin. I mean, it was a cabin, but it was like sitting, getting into like a one-man tent. So we kind of got in there, shut the door, and we could see out the back window. There's, you know, Nate, you know, looking like the rotten fishermen, you know, the boats going this way, and, and we could see the little circle windows, and could see the water splashing up against it, and we started to talk about uh, what it would be like to drown, and uh, it was just very exciting. So finally, Captain Nate got us to where we were getting to, and we were very happy. It was in a cove at just Jewel Island, and when we got there, he said, I've got a great idea. He said, you've got a great idea. Well, what's a great idea? Let's sleep on the boat. I've got an anchor, and we'll put the anchor in, and let's sleep out on the boat. And that was about the time Scott and I had a mutiny. We are not sleeping on that boat. He said, the anchor's good. The anchor will hold us. I'm confident. I said, we're not sleeping on the boat. Uh, I, I don't want to wake up and like be halfway to Europe. I don't want to wake up and feel water like on me because we're sinking, I, you know, I, we're not, we, we're not doing that. So Nate, Nate very confidently uh, slept on the boat and we slept on the island and, uh, you know, we got up in the morning, we were, we were hoping to still see his boat there and it was, but uh, he felt really confident about that anchor. And when he showed us the anchor, uh, it just emphasized to us that we really weren't gonna trust it. This anchor is like five pounds. I think the anchor should be like a thousand pounds. And uh, the anchor just had like a rope. To me, it looked like yarn, but no, it was really some nylon rope. And uh, he was just really confident that, uh, you know, that this would hold. And, and it did in his case. And so why are we talking about that at Christmas is there is a passage that talks about promise, that talks about hope. And in this passage in the book of Hebrews, it talks about this idea that we who have said yes to Christ have an anchor, have a line that literally goes from us right to heaven and keeps us secure. Now, just giving you a little definition on an anchor, an anchor is all about keeping a boat from drifting, even in what seems to be calm waters. 
and is especially about keeping a boat off the rocks during a storm. Boats need anchors, but so do people. And as you look at that little definition there, this idea of drifting, what's wonderful about an anchor, an anchor is it stops you from drifting. And it's so easy, even in calm waters, to have your boat, your sailboat, your whatever, and then all of a sudden to find out that you've drifted. You're not where you used to be. As a kid growing up in a little town north of Boston that uh, had a town beach, we would go to the beach, and my mother loved the beach because it was a sandbar in the water that stopped the big waves from coming in, so it was really safe and, and gentle. And we as kids, especially as we got into preteens, hated Crane's Beach because there were no waves. Well, she loved the fact there were no waves. But when we would get in there and play around, if we weren't careful, even though it was very calm, very easy, very cold, uh, we would find ourselves drifting. All of a sudden, we'd be jumping around, doing whatever you're doing in the water. And all of a sudden, we'd notice that my mother's little camp she set up was way over here. We hadn't purposely walked away. Uh, we had just drifted. There was a little bit of a current, and we would drift. So the idea here is that you and I, as people, if we're not careful, we can drift. We can let society cause us to drift. We can drift certain ways, that ways, if we're not intentional with our life. So the idea of having an anchor uh, is important because it helps us not drift. Um, also, there's the idea, again, of calm waters. Uh, sometimes you can find yourself drifting more in a boat or in life when things are calm because your awareness is at level zero. You're just... Life is just bobbing along, and all of a sudden, you show up somewhere else. That can happen personally. Uh, those of us who said yes to Christ, uh, we can be in like a calm water time of life, and it's gentle, and all of a sudden, we realize our heart, our soul, our thinking, our philosophy, our whatever has drifted. There's been a change from three months ago, six months ago. You see, it's easy for us to drift. So again, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, is getting to this idea that you and I have an anchor, and we need an anchor. And then, of course, there's the times where uh, it's uh, just a storm in life, and we're just holding on for dear life, and we need something that just keeps us stable, that keeps us in place, and uh, we, we just have to have that. And so that seems a little bit more obvious, but the writer of Hebrews, uh, being inspired by God, tells us that he offers us an anchor, and it's really important for us to, to, to have that and to, in a sense, um, hold on to that. So let's uh, look at that first passage, and we're going to find it in Hebrews. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can follow along. The words are on the screen. Um, also, we really encourage you to download Version. It's a free Bible app, and you can get it on your phone, your iPad, your whatever. And then whenever you're anywhere, you have your Bible with you. I love the fact that it's on my phone. And sometimes I'm waiting at a doctor's office, uh, waiting here or there, and uh, I can just pull out my uh, phone and start. Uh, I can check Facebook, but then I can also check a uh, Bible. I can review a verse I read that morning or whatever. So it's nice that you can have that wherever you go. So again, this idea of anchor, uh, this, is, this is something that's solid. We find uh, beginning in verse uh, 13 of chapter 6. When God made his promise to Abraham... He backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation online. He said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them 
by appeal to some authority above them so that if there is any question that they make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. You know, when we come to the idea of promises, when we come to the idea of a promise being a anchor, a line, and we're going to see right into the presence of God, we think of how other people do their promises. We think of how we do our promises. And I remember the first time I, I bought a car with a loan, and uh, Dave Spencer's finances, when it came up on their little computer thing, was lacking. So my parents signed on the bottom line, and bango, I could get the car and get the loan. It wasn't that it was Dave Spencer's authority. It was my parents. So when we get to this idea of taking loans, sometimes we have to have a co-signer. And when it comes to God, he obviously doesn't need a co-signer. Um, there are times where we as human beings, our condition, uh, we're not perfect. Uh, we can be very selfish, even some of the nicest of us. And we can find that we make a promise and uh, we just don't keep it. Um, you know, Cindy was here this morning, so we'll uh, first service, 8 a.m. So we'll see how much I hear about this when I get home. But uh, on her car, the license plate is peeling. I don't know if you've ever seen this. The, the finish is peeling off it. And I've called the, the motor vehicle department. They said, just bring in the license plate. And uh, when you get in there, we'll give you new license plates, no charge. And uh, that's, it's been peeling for at least six months. And uh, a lot of Sunday afternoons, Cindy will say to me, what are you going to do about the license plate? And I say, tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and goes, and I'm sure I'm going to hear about it today. And uh, so I'm making a promise, but I'm really not following through. So sometimes when we think about God and the fact that he promises, we take what our experiences have been with other human beings and tie that to him. Sometimes that happens to us when we think of having a heavenly father. And uh, none of our fathers were perfect. Some of our fathers, uh, it was really tough. And so when we think of God being our heavenly father, uh, we think of, wow, we think of our father when we transfer some of that behavior, some of those attributes onto God. Well, we do the same with promises. So there's a part of us, the reason we don't make our promises is because we're human beings. We're, we're, we, we have the human condition. We, we are sinful. We do things that uh, we don't. Sometimes we make a promise just because we want to get somebody off our back to stop bugging us about a license plate. So we say, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and goes. And so we have that piece. Then there's also the times where you and I make promises and we have every intention of following through. We're going to do what we promised. But there are times, because we are not all-powerful, all-knowing, that a situation unfolds and we actually don't have the strength, the ability to fulfill our promise. That's a little different than just kind of fudging. At this time, we really want to make the promise, but we don't have the power. I remember when Mariah was first learning how to ride her little bike, and she would go, nee, you know, her feet would just go like a million miles an hour, and we were out, and we were living in a condo at the time, and we were out biking, and she was following me, but she was very nervous, and she kept saying, you know, this, this, that, you know, am I going to fall? Am I going to get hurt? I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Riding's a piece of cake, and she kept asking about it, and I kept reassuring her, I promise you, nothing bad's going to happen. We're just going to ride our bikes. Well, unbeknownst to me, on the way back down to our condo, we lived, there was like a hill, and you'd go down, and, 
and the garage was uh, underneath, and I loved condos because you didn't have to do any yard work. It was fantastic. I'd like to live on one again, but anyway, that's another story. So we're riding down this hill, and she got a little bit ahead of me, and then she got a lot ahead of me, and I couldn't see her because we were coming around the corner, and all of a sudden I heard, didn't see, screaming. Lots of screaming, and it was Mariah. And all of a sudden I heard a loud, you wouldn't believe this, a loud boom, echoing boom. And she had run into the dumpster. She could not, she couldn't remember how to use the brakes. So she she just didn't stop the brakes and she just went a million miles right into the side. You could just hear boom. Fortunately, she wasn't really hurt. But again, I had promised her nothing would happen, but there was no physical way of me getting ahead of her, stopping her from running into the dumpster. So we have all these experiences of people, good intentioned, bad intentioned, making promises to us. And we sometimes just do it subconsciously. We attribute those experiences to God. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to get, when God makes a promise, you don't need a co-signer. Someone you know, up in heaven doesn't have to sign off, yeah, I'll co-sign for God. When God makes a promise, he's righteous, holy, always good to his word. So you don't have to worry about him like, eh, I really don't want to do that. I'm just trying to get you off my back, so I made this promise. And certainly you don't have to worry about something, in a sense, being out of his reach. When he makes a promise, when he has an anchor in our life, it's not beyond his All the abilities, all the strength, all the wisdom is at his disposal to fulfill his promise. The writer goes on in verses 17 18, when God wanted to guarantee his promise, says, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We have we, who we, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. And I like that imagery of grabbing the promise with both hands and never letting go. You see, as Christ follows, when you and I say yes to Christ, we're going to come from our doctrinal, theological, big words perspective that, that once you've said yes to Christ, uh, that, that lifeline, that rope, that anchor gets wrapped around your waist, and it's permanent. It's there. You can't undo that. The same way I can't earn my relationship with God, I can't be good enough for God to finally say, Dave, you're wonderful. We have a relationship now. I, I just can't do that. It's beyond myself. Uh, so I don't earn my relationship with God. And the flip side of that is if I don't earn it, I can't unearn it. I can't uh, be bad enough, irritated him enough that finally says, you know, the promise is gone. It's the same kind of thing, you know, in normal circumstances. You have a child and you love your child and, and they're your child. And it, it really, they're always your child and you're always connected with them. And really, they didn't earn you, their, your love because the minute they were there, you're like, oh, I love you. You know, you, they didn't like go do something for you. Uh, the second day they were born, they didn't go, you know, like mow your lawn or something. You're like, thank you. I love you. Now I love you. They, you just love them automatically. And at the same case, uh, you know, 
you know, we get these experiences where there's tension in our relationship with our kids, and sometimes it's little, sometimes it's a lot, whatever it is. Uh, their, their tension, the whatever happens, um, doesn't uh, unearn their relationship with you. You may not like what they're doing. You may be irritated with what they're doing, but you as a parent, you're still their parent. That doesn't get undone. And so God, in a sense, ties this rope that goes into heaven. We're going to talk about this. It's our lifeline. It's our um, anchor. There's one around the waist, but at the same time, we can grab and hold on. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done a ropes course. I've been on a few uh, with kids, and they harness you in, and then on some of these things, uh, you're harnessed in, so there's no way you're going to fall. That's what they tell you. There's no, they make that promise that, that you're not going to fall, but as you're doing things, you kind of like to hold on. And I have found in most of these things, even though I'm harnessed in and I can't undo that harness, that it's a much more enjoyable event if I hold on with both hands. Uh, and both hands are important, so uh, I want to hold on. And likewise, as you and I who have said yes to Christ are, are walking with him and living this life, we can be confident that his promise, his lifeline to us is sure, it's guaranteed, and it, nothing can sever it. But as we're, we're going along, we want to make sure that we're holding on with both hands. Not one hand here and one hand reaching over to stuff over here. You can just fill into the blank. We want both hands. And when you and I live those seasons of life where we're strapped in because we've said yes to Christ, that's not going to get undone. He's our Heavenly Father forever. Then we grab onto the rope and it's a better ride with both hands than like this. Much better, much secure much calmer. And we've talked in past messages this fall about things that help us, in a sense, hold on with both hands. Um, we read on, that hope is real and true and anchored to steady and restless souls and a hope that leads us back behind the curtain to where God is. What is that all about? That is some imagery from the temple that was in Jerusalem, and the temple in Jerusalem had outer courts and inner courts, and there was this place, the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is the place where God dwelt. Now, God dwells everywhere, but if you read into the Old Testament, it was it, he was there, but it was symbolic, and the Holy of Holies, and in a sense, that's where he is, and the idea is that we have this anchor that's connected to God in the Holy Holies. And actually, the idea goes on that Christ, who's now at the right-hand side of God, is in the throne room of heaven, and where he is, that anchor, that rope goes there. So in my mind, trying to picture what that is, I'm imagining he's sitting in a uh, you know, really nice throne, probably a lazy boy one where he can pick up, pick up his legs. You know, it's really nice. But around one of those legs, there's a, there's a rope that goes all the way down to earth, through all that, and is connected to me, and he's got that. And uh, I said uh, earlier, I said, Man, I would love to be able to, like, have a black light. You know, sometimes you have a black light, you can see things. I'd love to have a black light that, that showed that rope right now and showed, you know, the ropes going up to heaven, you know, and who, who has said yes to Christ and who, who not in a mean way is just going through the motions and there isn't a rope and, and that kind of a thing, but who has a rope going up to Christ because they've said yes, and at the same time, who's got both hands on it? And not to pick on anybody, but just to say, hey, wow, we got some things we can grow in, we can walk, grow in, and, and work on. Uh, uh, maybe Dave, uh, all of a sudden, everyone goes, oh, Dave needs to get both hands on. He's taking 
and hand off. And he's, you know, I don't see that, but he's doing that. But obviously that doesn't exist. So this idea of, again, where God is in connection with him uh, there. Now, when I think of anchors, honestly, because I'm not a seafaring guy, I had that experience with Nate and a couple things like that, that really doesn't kind of like move my soul, move my heart. I mean, I'm not like, ooh, anchors, ooh, rope. You know, I don't really think about that. But I do like science fiction. And I do like when they get out there and do spacewalks. And I do like watching that. And uh, I'm going to show you a clip from a movie. The girls can't stand this movie because it's so depressing to them. But uh, Sandra Bullock's in it. And she is stuck in space. And there are these times where she has no tether to, like, the space station, to the space shuttle. She's just like, ah, you know, and racing hard and all that kind of thing. And I can relate to that. So when I think of having a tether, I'm not necessarily thinking of anchor. I'm thinking of tethered to like a spacecraft. So you're going like, Dave, you are really weird. But anyway, here we go. Not a fun place to be, especially when your tether is broken. Don't want to be there. Likewise, when you and I find ourselves in this thing called life, when we say yes to Christ, we have a tether that can't be severed. No matter what craziness is going on, no matter if your space shuttle's destroyed and blowing up and you're floating around, you are tied right into the throne room, right into Christ's presence. And nothing is going to sever that line. And that should give you and I a promise of hope that is just, wow. It's just rest. It's being able to relax. It's able to have calmness. So we've got that tether around our waist and we take both hands and hold on and when the waters are calm we find ourselves not drifting to another place we really don't want to be at. We don't find ourselves getting up against the rocks and nothing will sever that. And it's all based on Christ's love. We sang about that. Christ's love is what motivated God to send, God's love to send uh, Jesus to be born in that manger, to grow up and to give his life for us, and then to come out of the grave and be resurrected and be with God 
at his right hand with that tether line. I love how uh, Paul reminds us of that in Romans. He says, who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? This translation says anointed one. This is referring to Jesus, the Messiah. It's just the same words, just being a little more, uh, in a sense, clear to us because he's the anointed one, the prince, the king, the lover of God's anointed one. Absolutely no one for nothing in the universe has power to diminish his love towards us. I love that. Nothing in this universe, nothing in my life diminishes his love. His love isn't the same amount now as it was yesterday. It's not going to be more. You have enough. You have it all. It doesn't diminish. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us in heaven's love. They are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. They're all powerful. His love is there. That line cannot be cut, cannot be severed, no matter what craziness you're going in. And that's a good reminder. So when I'm going through craziness, when my world is exploding, when there's pieces flying all around me, I can take peace, strength, resolve that that line can't be severed. And when it feels like it's severed, when it feels like I'm just flying around, it's still there. I just need to focus. And I need to get both hands back on the line in the peace, even in the midst of all this craziness. Paul writes about the peace that transcends all understanding. Craziness can happen around me, and I am at peace breathing, my heart rate, my just being in that moment, there's a peace. And that's a wonderful thing. And so as we start this Christmas season, there's the promise of the hope of peace that can't be severed. Paul goes on to say, yes, I'm sure that nothing can separate us from God's love, not death, life, angels, or ruling spirits. Ruling spirits is the idea of fallen angels. I'm sure that nothing now, nothing in the future, no power, nothing above us or nothing below us, nothing in the whole created world will ever be able to separate us from the love God has shown us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Stop right there. That anchor is secure. The line is secure. Where it's connected in heaven, there's no unconnecting it, no unsnapping it. And where it's connected to you, if you've said yes to Christ, it's grace that saves you and me. It's grace that makes us right with God. Not so that we're just right with Him, but so we can have a relationship that grows. And nothing can change that. That's the hope and the promise we live in. You see, because God always keeps his promises. Always keeps them. Always keeps them. One reason we need to know his word is so we know how he interacts, where the promises are. Uh, We've talked about this before, but there are things in the scriptures that are principles, and principles are different than a promise. Proverbs is filled with principles. So I encourage you, sometimes someone reads one of those principles and claims it as a promise. It's a principle. 
if you do these things, if you function this way, normally this happens. There are exceptions to that because it is a principle. Just like us today, if we normally do this, if we normally eat healthy and all that kind of stuff, as we age, we are a healthier person. That is a principle that's normal. It's not a guarantee because we all know some people who have done everything healthy, but then they find themselves with health problems. That was a principle, not a promise. So God always keeps his promises. Abraham is someone who experienced that. Abraham and God's promises. Uh, we could take the time, but we're not going to go through all these passages there in your notes. But it's this whole idea that God promised him uh, to uh, produce, really, a nation from his life. And uh, he had to hold on to that promise. And when he believed and trusted in God, then all of a sudden he has this relationship with God. Likewise, the same thing happens to us. And he holds on to these promises. He moves his family from a known place to an unknown place. As he gets older in life, he's still banking on the fact that he's going to have a biological child. That doesn't happen. In a moment where he's got both hands on the line, he takes one hand off, maybe takes both hands off, and tries to take things into his own hands. His wife is a part of that. He has a child with his wife's uh, maidservant, which is kind of something they did back then. It was a cultural thing, but uh, he was not keeping both hands on the, on the cable, on the anchor line, and uh, that got a little bit of a problem. It created a lot of problem. If you don't realize this, that's where we have uh, the tension between basically Israel and Arabs. That's, that's the source. One came from one, one came from the other, and we're still dealing with that all these thousands of years later. So anyway, the idea of Abraham and his promises, he promises, he promises finally, uh, you know, old, has Isaac, and how that all unfolds, and this idea that God keeps his promise. And, and um, Abraham, you know, s stuck with it. So let's uh, jump down to this, this slide. Uh, the more Abraham grew in his relationship with God, the more he knew God by experience. And I love that. I love that. The more I grow in my relationship with God, the more I know him, I start to see him showing up in my life. I'm aware of it. He's there, but now I start to see it. I'm aware of it. I, I, and, I, and I just, in a sense, I live for that. I live for seeing God, in a sense, showing up, doing something. Uh, we sat around the table yesterday because we sent, did Thanksgiving on Saturday because the girls were working with nursing and stuff like that. So we had yesterday, and we just went, went around the table and said things we we're thankful for. Very typical. Most of your families did that. And uh, one of the things that I was just thankful for is where God placed me. Uh, anywhere on the, on the planet, we're playing, praying for things going on in Honduras with floods and hurricanes and typhoons and other places, um, you know, all this kind of thing. We see the COVID thing going on. Uh, we have, you know, you know, employment and all these kinds of things. And, and, I, and I said, and it just, this, I, you know, sat around the table and I said, yeah, it's maybe inconvenienced us, but look at us. We got way too much to eat. There's three pies. There's all this food. And life is good. Nothing's, you know, 
I, I, you know, I know some people have been sick, but they're on the recovering side of it. All, you know, wow. Don't deserve any of this. Could have been born on the other side of the planet. Could have been born here, there. This is, this is pretty amazing. The majority of the world aren't, don't live this way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know it could go at any moment, but thank you. In the moment, I'm going to enjoy my pecan pie, and I'm going to stick an extra scoop of whipped cream on it. Homemade whipped cream, only on Thanksgiving. Love it, but it better be some when I get home. But anyway, uh, this whole idea of knowing God and seeing it. I uh, usually don't do this, but uh, I was going up to the doctors, uh, up at Strong's, up at the hospital, and, and, I, and you know, I, I said, Lord, wouldn't it be great if there was a parking space near the entrance? I would be so happy. And there was. Now, don't, if that does, that never usually happens to me. I usually don't want to be so selfish as like I'm praying for parking space. But I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And slid in there and it was right off the you know, main floor and everything like that. So, but this idea of walking with God, knowing God, experiencing God, seeing the goodness in your life and going, hey, that was a God moment. Isn't that cool? Uh, Winnie used to always talk about God moments. That was a God moment. She'd say, it gave me chills down my spine because she just knew that was a time where God was really, in a sense, touching her life. And that grows as we get to know him and we experience him. So talking about God and his promises, uh, talking about that for us. So, so what is that all about? Uh, God's promise and the way he works it into our lives Having more to say about who he have more to say about who he is than what he's doing. In other words, his promise, even though it is to us, is more about him than us. So when we think him guaranteeing his promises, when we think about uh, that lifeline that is is secure in heaven, connected to God in a sense, we have to realize that that yes, he's doing good things, but it's it's all talking about who he is. In those moments where those good things, we're aware of them and they touch our lives, it's more about him saying who he is and communicating his goodness than him actually showing up in our lives. And, and that's, just, that's just, again, amazing that God, uh, with all the billion of people on the planet, God is aware of us even in this moment as individuals. That is so fantastic. Since there is no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Again, that idea of, of, of not needing a co-signer. Just moving on to another principle. Uh, God keeps his promise. He makes his promise personal, and that becomes our hope. Again, seeing God show up. It's one thing to have all these promises, all these things about God, and having him like way out there. But the fact that he joins our lives, he's in our lives through the Holy Spirit, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And that gives us a hope that no matter what's going on, we can have a calmness and rest because we know that lifeline, that anchor is in him. When we think about God's promises, will keep us. So in a sense, the idea of that hope gives us stability, gives us strength. So when we think of God's promises, not him just keeping them, but they keep us. They give us a guarantee. They give us a guarantee of eternity. They give us a guarantee that he's in the here and now. And so in a sense, he keeps his promise, 
but they also keep us. When I'm feeling a little unsure of myself, unsure of my world, insecure, whatever you want to call it, and I review his promises, I find that they keep me. They kind of like wrap me back up. I'm falling apart, and they start putting the pieces back together. That is just so fantastic. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. So we just lean into that. And what's so fantastic about all this, we already touched on this a little bit. Fortunately, the promise of hope is based not on my performance. It's based on what Christ did for me. I don't have to worry about my performance in life, my behavior in life, undoing all this. Now, the flip side of that is because I experience that hope, because I experience that love, the flip side of that is I now want to follow him. I do want to please him, but I'm not pleasing him. I'm not trying to do certain things to earn his love. I already have it because of what Christ has done for us. Um, you're going to see that some of our Sunday mornings through Advent season, through Christmas, uh, mirrors what's going on in Kid Zone. And Kid Zone is talking about hope today, and this is their bottom line. We can hope because God always keeps his promises. And again, that's just a, a basic, seems like, wow, that doesn't seem like a big deal. It seems pretty plain spoken, but that is just an unbelievable truth because of our previous experiences of living on this planet, we find that people don't always keep their promises. But God always keeps his promises. You can put your head on the pillow at night and go, God keeps his promises no matter what craziness is going on. And then for us this morning, adding to this idea, God keeps his promise and his promise will keep you. So that anchor is a sure thing. I'd encourage you, if you haven't said yes to Christ, if you haven't invited him into your life, if you've said, I want to follow you, I thank you for the gift of your son, don't let today go by without doing that. Just ask the Lord, pray in your heart as we're closing things up and say, Lord, I want you in my life. I want you to be the anchor of my life. I want you to bring stability. I want to follow you the best I know how. And then for those of us who have said yes to him, just asking ourselves, are we keeping both hands on the line? Or are we kind of like, ah, you know, not a pleasant way to ride. Are we keeping both hands on the line? And then you first have to, might have to ask, what other thing is my hand grabbing onto besides uh, the rope? Let's pray together. Grace Heavenly Father, once again, we just thank you for your love. We're thankful for the anchor that it brings to our life, the stability. It keeps us from drifting. It keeps us uh, from going into the rocks uh, when we're in a storm. And I just ask that all of my friends here would just experience you in significant ways, knowing you that you are their anchor, their sure thing, and that you keep your promises unlike the people in our life. We thank you for the gift. We thank you for the gift of Christmas this season. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time in our service, just remind you or just thank you for your continued generosity and sacrificial giving. Uh, you can give online. That's what Cindy and I do. It's nice. It's just automatic for us. Uh, you can use the little boxes you find around the building. 
Uh, also, you can mail in, and those listening online, I really appreciate uh, just even your generosity that comes through that way, so thank you. And uh, just a couple reminders that next week, uh, when you come in, if, again, if you're officially a card-carrying member of the church, uh, there'll be a list, and you can pick up a ballot. Just check yourself off the list. And uh, if there's some confusion on the list, don't get all crazy about it. We'll figure it out. Maybe we made a mistake, or maybe, uh, you know, you didn't fill the paperwork out or, or something. Well, don't, don't come unglued by that. We'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, so you pick that up on the way in, and then at the end of the service, we'll just remind you to, to, uh, to uh, affirm your vote, if that's what you choose to do, and then you can drop it off in designated areas on the way out. That's how we'll handle it next week after both services. So, so enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I hope you enjoy this great weather, and uh, thank you for being here. Use those invite cards to invite other people. And uh, again, we're doing the two services, so obviously people can spread out and not be uh, so close. So take advantage of that during the season. See you next week.